Well, it is another happy Sunday here at Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton, excited to welcome my co-host for today's show, the extraordinary Kristen Casa. Oh, well, thank you for that warm welcome from another extraordinary woman. <laughs> so good to have you here. Um, we've got lots to talk about, lots to catch up on. And, of course, our special guest today is... The incomparable Pat McCombs. The Pat McCombs. That's about right. to turn a lap on 75. That's right. Putting us all to shame. I'm and telling you. I know. Her 70th, she was wearing six-inch heels. I know. I saw her. That's I saw what they say. Yes. Hashtag goals. Okay. Goals. <laughs> she keeps her hair tight and blonde just I like know. Me, so. I know. That's exactly right. So, Kristen, you know, we like to start off the show with giving our listeners a little bit of backstory yeah. on you. Sure. Things that folks might... Uh, not no, and I was surprised to find out that you actually were, you were born in Vermont. Yes, where in Vermont? Long time. Yeah. I'm from a long line of Vermonters. The whole cliche. My family makes maple syrup. The whole thing. <laughs> but yes, I'm from Vermont, and I moved to Chicago, um, 20 years ago to go to Columbia College. I also taught there for 10 years, and mm-hmm. I have never left Chicago. I okay. have been loyal for two decades. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. I mean, I can see you on either coast as well. For sure, for yeah. sure. And yeah. I, I think I just fell in love with Chicago, and I've. Always always found reason to be here and I I feel like hopefully Chicagoans agree they say after 20 years which seems like a long time but 20 years no interruptions they'll, they'll let you I can claim mm-hmm, it right you can claim it that's right that's exactly right very funny about that so you taught at Columbia College so yeah. I assume then you were very happy to hear that they settled their their um um Union. Yes. Um, yes. And concerns. I, right. And I mean, I haven't been in the union since this latest right. negotiation, but they really stuck it out. And so who knows? I would love to go back to teaching. I miss it a lot. I still run into my students all the time. Mm-hmm. So I still I have some more teaching in my future. I stopped when the pandemic happened mm-hmm. and then they really were reducing how many. Yes. Adjuncts got yes. That's exactly the, the that's exactly what happened to a good friend of yeah. mine as well, yeah. who, yeah, her classes were just. Yeah. Wiped away. I also had a couple kids, so you know oh, I had to take a break. Oh, with that. that. <laughs> yes. Well, let's let's also talk a little bit about sure. co-parenting with Lex yeah. and what what's that been like. I mean, is it is it what you expected? Now you you have twins. I do. And I you you had. Um, I guess it's okay to say a difficult time. Yes. Right. And you were on the other side of it in, in many many ways, yes. but it was it was. It was a time. We could do a whole nother show about that. But I did. I had identical twins about 19 months ago, June 11th, 2022. And of course, they they came into the world a few hours after what was supposed to be my last event. It was uh, the suited and booted pride ball. It was all suits and boots, but I was in the hospital and I did, um, you know, I had heart failure and Mm -hmm. that that necessitated um, a 28 week delivery. And the girls were in the hospital for three months and I had a, a little bit of some time in the ICU and on life support. But made an amazing, uh, probably, I think I would say miraculous recovery, and so did they. They're incredible girls, Jade and Nova, and they're doing fabulously. A couple surgeries, but you know now we're in great shape, and they're crawling all over the place and, and starting to walk side by side on the furniture, and we're all doing great. That's wonderful. That is, um, I just remember, you know, sort of talking to you and texting yeah. with you, and um it's incredible that you're on the other side of it and, yeah. and everyone is doing well. We're doing great. And, you know, it's a journey. I think that we assign this very short period of time that women are allowed to grieve, that are allowed to have postpartum. You really just all of a sudden you're dropped into parenthood. And, and that's what happened to me. It's just that I got dropped in while I was in the ICU and I didn't even meet my children for five days. So there was a whole another element of, of trauma to, and post-traumatic 
stress to navigate, but it's it's a journey, and I would just encourage anyone who's out there who is a parent, like you are allowed to move through these things. You're going to your whole life, and to take your time. Yeah, take yeah. your time. Yeah. Get some rest. That's it. How do you get rest? It's Just, the rest. Uh, 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 and I do. I yeah. do. I Sleep, that's the one thing I always say, you know, pe- there's nothing people like to give more advice on than parenting. <laughs> and the only thing, and this is this can be very hard fought, but is to try and prioritize your rest. And one of the things that we had was a night doula. When the girls came home after three months, I was still very much in recovery. I was in um, cardiac rehab, mm-hmm. and I, I had to sleep. It was completely medical, medically necessary. Mm-hmm. It always is, but mm-hmm. especially in the case with my heart. And... Um, we had someone came and we literally went to bed and she stayed overnight with the girls. Wow. You know, trained doula, incredible doula. And um, we're very fortunate to have that support. But I would say anyone who's put in a registry together or you're a friend of a person who is giving birth, go ahead and try and give to some doula support because that postpartum recovery is so essential, not just for you, but also for the for the baby or babies, for your whole family. So rest is so important. We sleep trained our twins, which is very important. And they sleep like 7.30 to 8.30. <laughs> they sleep that, like 13 I know hours. many parents would be happy to hear that. Yeah, wow. Yeah, essential. Well, you know what? I want to make sure we have an opportunity. And we'll, we'll talk about this throughout, but I want to talk a little bit about... Um, what you might do as one may say your day job, although it often doesn't take place during the day. Right. And I, it's a, yeah, it's a day job. It's a night job. Day into night. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of the prep work for being a party mom goes into the evening hours. Um, but I've been producing events in Chicago for almost two decades now and with a special focus on celebrating LGBTQ community artists and history. Mm-hmm. And so that goes under the name of? Well, my, my company is called No Small Plans Productions, mm-hmm. and our signature party is Slow Mo Party, which is one of Chicago's longest-running current queer dance parties. Wonderful. And you have you have a number of ways that you have been thinking about parties, if you will, where you are really looking at uh, intergenerational yes. opportunities for folks to really, you know, mix together, learn from each other, and, and just have a good time, because the music is always on point, let always me just say. On point. Our DJs are incredible. Current resident DJs, Vita Girl and Icy Baby. Feedy Girl is also a part of the Good Girls, which is Lady D and Lori Branch, the legends. So we do a lot of work with them. And together we have a party, speaking of intergenerational joy, mm-hmm. called Old Gold. And that's our all vinyl party. We play all records. It's daytime. You, it's over by 6 or 7 p.m., depending on the month. And it's 30 plus. So it is intergenerational, but over the age of 30, I'm sure, you know, we got a couple folks sneaking in in their 20s. <laughs> well, you know, that just reminds me of tea parties yeah, to some absolutely. degree, right? Right. You know, and they, they were very, very popular and there's no reason not to return to them Correct. because people want to have some other uh, opportunities and different ways to celebrate, to hang out. Yeah. And sometimes earlier is better for whatever reason. Yes. If you have children, yes. earlier would be better. Right. I mean, I yeah. think in general, doing things that consider like experience, you know, it's going to be more accessible for all. So even things that I'm trying to do more that is family friendly or family conscious, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that has to be family centered. So, for example, last summer in collaboration with Kiddo, with Kiwa Nurala, we put on the Queer Fam Pride Jam. And that was really to celebrate, you know, queer and trans p- parents who have children 
parents of queer and trans children, but also people who just love and want to support families. Mm -hmm. And by having it as this daytime, outdoors, free all ages event, all kinds of people can access that. Folks who might have be immunocompromised or have disabilities, like you said, people who just have stuff going on and they can't be going out at night. Um, I think it just gives greater consideration to all kinds of experiences. Absolutely. And people are looking for that. That's right. And I think some of that is absolutely, um, you know, we still are in COVID, but right. we're not shut down from yes, COVID. Right. And I think, you know, like me, I really started to think about how I'm spending my time. Yes. Um, I often, just because of, you know, at one point in time, um, working in the mayor's office and other places yeah. just are used to going to multiple events in one night. Right. And I said... I'm not doing that anymore. I really want to have some quality um, with regard to where I'm going and what I'm doing. And um, that means I may just be going to one event. Yes, right. And I think, you know, it's that used all the time, but with that quality over quantity. And we go through different times in our life. Same. I used to bop around. I was definitely one that was bopping around town. And now, you know, being a parent, have to be a bit more mindful, have to plan. So for me, with parties, you know, I say no small plan slogan is parties with a purpose Mm -hmm. and really focusing on building community connection, which I think is just as important as it's ever been. And in terms of intergenerational joy, you know, we have to see each other because I think especially having living in a whole virtual world, we also live in a virtual world, being together, you can't be what you can't see. And also when we come together, there's just such a nuanced experience. There's shared energy, there's shared emotion. And I think that's where we can really build bridges of understanding. Well, tell us a little bit about your extraordinarily uh, successful New Year's party at the Ramona, which was covered on NBC. Um, I was, again, not able to attend. But as I mentioned to you, I did see it um, on NBC. I was in a little town outside of St. Louis in Shiloh. And uh, I said, you know, wait a minute. As we were flipping channels, I'm like, that's Kristen with that little red jacket on and some heels. (laughs) So tell us how you got to the Ramona, because this was the first event after we heard that the Ramona was going to be open again, which is extraordinary. And I think folks like, is it Jennifer Hudson? Yeah. I recall. Yeah. One of the supporters. So the Ramova is in Bridgeport Mm -hmm. and it was built in 1929. It was a movie theater because, you know, at the time that was the main central place for entertainment. And they had these huge grand movie theaters. And this was enormous capacity. It shut down in 1985, but it was a huge part of the Bridgeport community. And it's been since reopened with a lot of investment from the city and actually majority Southside investors, which includes uh, Chance the Rapper, Quincy Jones and Jennifer Hudson and opening as a music venue, 1800 cap music venue. There's also a grill and a brewery. So they approached me of being on the board. And so we are I'm, I'm also a part of the, the community by being a part of that board of the venue. But they approached us for New Year's Eve and it, it was a big risk because it was the first event in the space. Huge, huge. And it was live broadcast on NBC. We had a, a partnership with NBC Chicago, and, and um, we did the countdown live on stage with them. And it was a whole homage to the 1920s when uh, when the venue was built and had an amazing amount of LGBTQ artists that were a part of it. And uh, we had an amazing, as they say, gay old time. <laughs> well, you know, initially I thought it was going to be a dance party, which would have been, yeah. you know, enough. But it was a Really, you had a concert, yeah. ton of acts and concerts, yeah. and it was it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, we had to do it proper. This is uh, the Ramova has um, one of only three venues in the country that has this million dollar state of the art sound system. We really wanted to put it to work, so um, I partnered with who I have many times. Uh, 
Akenya, who's a local artist, black, queer, and brilliant musician, composer, arranger. And she put together a whole huge jazz band like you would have seen in the clubs at the time in the 20s. And we had Darling Shear, who's our resident choreographer, put together big dance numbers. And then, of course, our resident DJs performed. But I felt really important to me to just put on a show. It, and and that is what I heard it was. It and was. and is there any um, recording anywhere that uh, folks can check it, out? It, well, the NBC broadcast someone did put it on YouTube, so you can you know go back and revisit some of that. But that was also broadcast at four other locations um, that they do every year on the broadcast. You know when they broadcast uh, before the countdown. So we don't have it anywhere, but we've got some amazing photos on our okay. Instagram, which is Slomo Party, and we'll be. Hopefully back there. We we've been offered it to be there for New Year's again. So okay, we'll see more to come. You know, plan ahead. It's it's going to be here before we know it. That's oh my goodness. Seriously, <laughs> I am planning for the end of the year. That's incredible that you would uh, say that. But you know what? We're going to talk with Kristen. A lot more to come. And don't forget, Pat McCombs is coming up uh, after our next segment. But you're listening to Living Out Loud, and we're back in a moment. Gina Torres. And when I'm in Chicago, I listen to Mary Morton on WCPT 820 AM. Thank you, Gina Torres. Love her so much. And please check out uh, 9-11 Lone Star when it comes back. Um, She is in that show doing an incredible job. So welcome back to Living Out Loud. I'm here today with Kristen Kaza, and we're talking about all kinds of things. But I want to move into a little bit of uh, more of a political nature, uh, because part of my... um, intent this year is to really get people interested in getting more involved than they have been in in politics and really helping to get out the vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the end of the day, if people do not show up at the polls, it you know, we know where we could end up. We've seen it on television. It, it's very scary. Um, and just wondering, where have you been? Now, let me just say, for folks who don't know, during 
um, right before the mayoral election, you had a party that Mayor Brandon Johnson attended. Yes. And he was there, and it looked like he had a good time. He sure did. I don't even think he—he's told me this, too—was— prepared to be as blown away by the enthusiasm. And we were saying, you know, he's canvassing in the club. When have you ever seen a political candidate come to the club? And it felt really important to me. You know, I thought, what's my platform? Well, I I have this audience. We have this incredible community. Mm -hmm. And he has things to say in his, uh, you know, whole platform about supporting LGBTQ Chicagoans. And so he came and he him to slow-mo at Sleeping Village last year and there were a lot of people there and they were very enthusiastic and a lot of young folks that came out to people of all ages because we have a very intergenerational party and then he came back after he was elected and spent about an hour with us at the Pride Jam at our family festival and gave a really beautiful speech and really went out and spent time with the both the people who are participating in the festival and the attendees. And I think that's something you can tell when yeah. um, an elected official is genuine, yeah. right, and not just doing it for the photo op. Yeah. And And while we have both at the state level with Governor Pritzker and now with Mayor Johnson, we have what I think will likely go down in history as the most progressive administrations, right? Yet, it is still government. And they are still bound by the constraints of government. Um, And it makes me really think about what's, you know, ahead of us. Um, Mm -hmm. As you know, Chicago will be hosting the um, Democratic National Convention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were talking before the show, um, you have some concerns about what might happen. Let's talk a little bit about that during the convention. Um, and and I think it's something that, you know, we've seen here before. Yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the things I love so much and what makes Chicago so unique is we're an incredible city for organizing both unions, protests, movements. And that, to me, is one of the most beautiful things historically about Chicago. And I think we're going to see that come into play with the DNC because, Many Chicagoans, many people beyond Chicago and and even beyond the United States around the world are horrified by how the current administration has handled what is a genocide, the war, or as some people refer to as the war, but really a genocide happening in Gaza in real time playing out right now. And people have not been quiet about that. And they're... um, that we're seeing that in Chicago, too. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see some tension here. But I also, you know, always support and applaud people for making their voices heard. We have to do that. And I think it's not either or. It's right. both. Yeah, right? for sure. Uh, and so that's going to be really important. Um, we are uh, working on and I say we there's a group of folks um, that are uh, working on something called Q-Force, which yeah. there'll be more about that in the next several months. But really working to get people out to these other uh, states around us that yeah. are really concerning, whether it's Indiana, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Um, we need folks to go to those uh, different areas and to help knock on doors, yeah. help uh, canvas, um, do phone calls. We just need folks to turn up and to turn out, if you will, um, because this is a critical election. Yeah. Um, you have just joined the advisory council, right? Have, yes. So yeah, this is the first time you've been on any kind of um, um, committee or council for um, st- city government. It is, and you know, my first toe dip into that. Of course, I have organized different actions. Mm-hmm. You know, again, partying with a purpose. You know, we've had some protests that we've participated in and helped organize. Um, of course. Mayor Johnson coming to um, to slow-mo before, but this is my first time in anything, you know, somewhat a little bit formal. But you know, I love Chicago, and I felt like an important 
thing to participate in and I uh, as being or attempting to be a leader in the, in the city oh, and have yeah, also the voice of, you know, folks and LGBTQ people who work in nightlife, entertainment and hospitality. We're an enormous force in this city. And there's a really beautiful representation on our council of folks of different ages, races, different parts of the city, different practices. But it feels really great. And I'm joined by some other wonderful comrades in representing entertainment. That's wonderful. And I think... Uh Robert Castillo? Yes. Yes, who, you know, was on Agley, um, the advisory council, and, and, and it's been changed, thankfully, you know, to be more inclusive, LGBT um, issues, um, when I was uh, the liaison for Mayor Daley. Yeah. And I just want to say, I want to give Robert some props now. Uh, he and his um, partner, John, who's no longer with us, really helped lead the way with regard to um, the... the um, inclusive amendment to our human rights ordinance so that it was trans-inclusive. And I had a chance to work on that. That was one of the last things I worked on as I was moving into another role in the city. Uh, But I can remember uh, Robert and John uh, at receptions and holding up and wearing signs and things of that nature. And I remember when I had to say to the mayor, you must say transgender. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to say it. I don't care if it's in your notes. Mm -hmm. We have got We've got to start saying it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what people don't often realize, too, is there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Yeah. There's a lot that, you know, may just appear, yeah, just like when you're putting on a, on a, right, on a, putting on a production, putting on a, a party. Yet there is a lot of, a lot of work going on to make sure that we can push these things forward. And, and mm-hmm. I was saying a couple of weeks ago that when I initially went to work for the city, Several people said, why are you going to work for the man? Mm. Oh, my God. You know, how can you do that? And I said, you want someone with my politics on the inside so that you can be on the outside and we can push toward the middle. Yeah. And so many things get done that many people will never know, you know, behind closed doors, making calls, all of that. It's really important. And so what what has been the sort of uh, first several things that you all are thinking about on Agley? I know you're just getting together, but do you have any sense of what you'll be doing? Well, we just officially formed and mm-hmm. were voted in only a couple months ago mm-hmm. with the other um, advisory councils. There's the Women's Council, mm-hmm. Veterans Council, and a few others. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just starting to get in formation. Um, there's some new leadership within the council, and there's it's just a really great group. I think we're just getting underway this year, but I'm excited to see how we'll be able to, you know, really represent and consider a whole array of Chicagoans' experiences. And that's really what's important is how are we how are we um, held accountable, if you will, to the various communities that um, should be represented and sometimes are not in the room because it's not just about us. Those of us who have been had the privilege and honor to be in the room. How are we bringing people with us? I think that's something that we just always have to keep in mind. And even for the work we do at Morton Group, we are really working hard around um, the disability community, meaning that Mm. we're trying to be more conscious and conscientious about our language, how accessible our workshops are. um, And again, how do we make sure that people are not in the room are represented um, if we cannot, in fact, get them in the room, which, of course, is always the best thing is to have folks in the room and they can speak on their own behalf. Um, Just quickly, Mm. um, tell me, what's your uh, favorite so far Oscar movie? Because I... we. Uh talking yes. before. I'm really behind. <laughs> we try to see all of them, and I'm telling you, I don't think we're going to 
we're going to make it. I mean, 10 is a lot. It and is. then if you're going to try and go, obviously, outside the Best Picture nominations to the other categories. But I, you know, I t- have taken Jan- January to slow down a little bit after a pretty wild year of my first full year parenting and doing a lot of events. I was like, I've been watching a lot of movies, especially after the girls go to bed. But we did get out to the theaters to see American Fiction. Yes, I hear I we have to it. see that. We I have to see it. Because it. it's, it's funny. It is. It's irreverent. It's funny. It's emotional. It has some outstanding actors in it. And in fact, we've got Tracy Ellis Ross. Yes. Niecy and, Nash. And yeah, Niecy. Wait, no. no Niecy's not in Niecy's it. Not. Niecy's okay. in something else, though. Oh, okay. But she, right. and then, um, oh my gosh, who's the actress? Max, Maxine Shaw, attorney oh, at law. Yes. I always forget the actress's name, though. It's escaping me. But you've got an amazing cast, and then Jeffrey uh-huh. Wright. Yes. And it's who's just, been nominated. Yes, he has been nominated. Mm-hmm. But it's just a really wonderful movie about family. Um, and it's funny. It's spectacularly written and performed and it's just an enjoyable experience. I'm glad I saw it in the theater because I just loved it as a movie. You know, you know, sometimes you see a movie you're like, that's amazing, but I don't want to go through that experience again. It was so stressful. Right. <laughs> American right. Fiction just felt like a really enjoyable movie. But there's also Past Lives, which I absolutely love that, that movie. That was outstanding. Um, and I just watched Anatomy of a, of a Fall the other day, which also was Really, really phenomenal. So there's actually some movies in the um, out of the ten best picture noms that are really, I think, absolutely fantastic. And the only other one I'll, I'll mention before we go to break is Rustin, uh, where oh, Coleman yes. Domingo has been <gasps> nominated. Thank you very much. And also um, the first out is it first out? Uh, f- certainly the first out black gay man to be nominated for playing an out black gay yes. character. Yes, and I think he. Yes, and I I don't know if it's if he. Um, I know his. He really also is really um, talks about being Afro Latina. Right, that's right. Correct. Yeah, Afro Latina. Yeah, yes. yes, and so Afro not Af- Latina, Latino. Afro um, yeah. <laughs> however, excited about that. Yes, and really hope that people will take some time and learn about Bayard Rustin. Oh my gosh! And that performance. I mean, just at, he was just born to play that part. It yeah. was incredible. Yeah. It would be wonderful to see him win that. So I'm I'm crossing my fingers, but it's a really difficult category. There are a lot of yeah. strong performances in yeah. it, but we're going to keep watching and and we'll be back certainly to talk about who actually wins. Right. Um, but you know what? In just a few moments, we're very excited. We're going to have Pat McCombs on the line. That's right. Uh, the one and only Pat McCombs will be joining us in just a moment. You're listening to Living Out Loud and we're back in a moment.
What's happening, people? This is Gina Yashua, comedian extraordinaire. And when I'm in Chicago, I like to hang out with my good friend, Mary Morton, on her fantastic show, Living Out Loud, on WCPT. So listen... And welcome back uh, to Living Out Loud. That was Gina Yashere, who is on Monday nights, uh, Bob Hart's Abishola. And I'm excited to say in a couple weeks, I'm going to a live taping in L.A. Um, this is their last season. So I just want to keep reminding of that. Um, 7 o'clock or 7.30 on Monday nights on CBS. So she's been the showrunner, mm. co-creator. Um, first time I think that may have happened for queer Identified woman. Yes. So really exciting uh, from Nigeria. Um, So we are super excited to welcome um, someone I have known for many, many years and was very responsible for me kind of coming on the scene. I've never said that to Pat before. Um, But really, someone took me many, many years ago to an executive suite party. And I was like, really? Wow. All these women in one room. This is pretty extraordinary. And uh, what people don't know, of course, that is that she has a very um, long and illustrious career in many different areas. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, we are excited to welcome Pat McCombs. Hi, Pat. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Living Out Loud. Happy to have you here. And Kristen is here as well. Hi, Pat. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm wonderful. I cannot wait to celebrate you on your 75th. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, Pat, let's let's go back a little bit and tell folks, and, and there are folks I'm sure who don't know the story of how you and Vera Washington, I want to make sure we call out Vera, your partner, uh-huh. um, in terms of the executive suite parties. What What was the impetus? What led you to create executive suite and to host parties for many, many years? Well, you know what? It initially started with a woman by the name of Pam Terrell and Sharon Webb. Hmm. Really? I, and, I did not uh, know that. Okay. Yes, it did. It originally started from those two, and they asked me to join Executive Suite. Okay. And what was and the— what happened— Huh? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Yeah, they asked me to join at the time. I was doing parties with a, a mixed group of men and women. We had a group called Quality Is, and when Quality Is stopped, they asked me, they approached me and asked me, would I be part of their group? And I decided to join, but what happened, uh, Pam Terrell was Vera Washington's lover. Okay. All right. You heard it here first. Yeah, so she knew a lot of what was going on in terms of us doing the parties. And Sharon, she wanted to move in a different direction. Pam Terrell ended up going back home to Virginia to help take care of something with her mother. So I ended up by myself and just asked Vera to come and be on board uh, to be a part of Executive Suite. And that's how we continued it. And how long did you um, continue it? You know, uh, the last party we gave was 2013. We started in the 80s. So, I mean, it was uh, a number of years if you add all that up together. 2013. Okay. and and the last party we gave as executive suite. And how many folks did you average at your parties, would you say, Pat? Depending on the size of the location, but I think at least 1,500, 
uh, sometime and, wow. you know, doing Pride Month is probably bigger than that. Depending on the, the, the bigger the place, the more people came out. Oh, my goodness. I'll put it like that. Wow. Well, Kristen, what would you want to ask, Pat, as someone who has picked up the mantle around parties and promotions. Well, I know, Pat, we've talked about this before. People are still asking you all the time to bring executives back. And what do you think are the reasons why people loved executive suite specifically so much and how you were able to fill that place with sometimes 1,500 people? You know what I'm going to tell you? It was a lot of work. Yep. We we uh, uh, we supported everybody that was doing anything. Right. Anybody that was giving an event, we made sure we were at that event. Wow. Yeah. Or yeah. you know, uh, I I participated in helping different organizations with their events. Right. I was just involved and active. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how we were. And, and, you know, we didn't have the Internet right. during that time. So you had to do the legwork. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, th- it was a lot of work. And I remember we talked in the past, you were talking about one of the draws is like you would always make sure that you had parking. And that was one thing that felt really good. And also yeah. making sure that y'all were at the entrance so people were greeted by you. And that was one of your stipulations when you were right. going into different in, into different places. What, um, what do you think are some of the other ways that why you had such an amazing amount of people come in terms of them feeling safe and welcome? What were some of the other choices that you would make that supported that? Well, you know what? I approach people personally. Right. Mm. I found that if you approach people and give them uh, oral invitation as well as we pass out what we call pluggers, right. you know, <laughs> invitation <laughs> announcements. And so I did a lot of personal stuff. I, I found that that helped a lot. And mm. you and I we during the time of our parties, we walked around and mm. socialized with people. Mm. I didn't believe in just being at the door. Right. I wanted them to feel welcome. And and just uh, greeted them in a, a, a very personal way to make them feel comfortable. I'm glad you came out. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. You know, because I was glad they came out. I was so glad to be surrounded by a lot of beautiful women. Right. <laughs> I was excited when they came to the door. Right. And you also had entertainment. How did you decide on um, who you would profile and, and lift up? Well, you know what? That came about through people coming to the parties and they wanted they wanted certain things. And another thing, you have to constantly survey your crowd. Right. You have to constantly ask them what they want and what they didn't like about it and just get constantly get feedback. Mm. You have to constantly communicate with your uh crowd, the demographics of your crowd, knowing who you want there and who you don't want there. Right. You well, know, and uh you know, how would you handle if you had any type of pushback or any conflict with community members that maybe had issues there or, you know, weren't down with some of the ways that you were handling things? What was your approach to handling those types of conflicts? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you another thing about my parties. Uh, one thing I believed in is asking other women that came to the party for help. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, like right. I'd, I'd say, you know what, uh, I might have certain groups of women that come in free to the party mm. because they were like partly my security. Mm. So I had women that would walk around and if they saw anything, okay. if they felt that something was about to go off, they would come and tell me, but nobody knew who they were. Right. Uh, 
Okay. And I always had security. Mm-hmm. And I always spoke with the owners of the establishment mm-hmm. uh, before uh, before the parties to make sure that they were they knew who they were catering to right. and how we wanted to be treated. Mm. And if we weren't treated a certain way, then I couldn't patronize that establishment anymore. Right. And and Pat, how yeah. how difficult or how easy you know in terms of finding locations? What was that process like once you told folks what you were doing and that it might be 500 women, 800 women, 1,000 women? What was that like? You know, well, I'm going to tell you what we used to do. Uh, I used to travel around to the bars during the week. And mm-hmm. on like a Friday to see what bars were so in business. Right. Ah. Because you see another thing about this, people were not willing to uh, uh, give you establishments or let you use it if they were doing good. Mm-hmm. So I always had to look for establishments that were doing bad. Really smart. Really. So in that way, I yeah. could go to them and speak with the owner and ask them to let me rent out that whole night, mm-hmm. and they could just take the bar. But I had to have the door. Right. Oh, that is and really so, smart. And I did not let them know in the, the initial uh, time. I didn't let them know it was a lesbian party. Mm-hmm. I told them it was a sorority. Okay. And, and we and were having a big meeting. Right. <laughs> a very, it. very big meeting. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, because uh, during the time, and it, nothing on my flyers would say that it was a lesbian party right. either. Mm-hmm. I never had all women. You know, I didn't do that until later on mm-hmm. as time changed. But initially, because they were going to women of color houses, uh, and that's another issue, I couldn't say lesbian party or all women come. You know, I didn't do that because they were going to their houses, and so people didn't want that to be seen on their mail. Right. That is such a smart thing to do. And I think it would apply for other events that people might have, no matter what you want, right? Right. To check out these places where people want and need the business. That's right. Right. Really, really smart idea. Pat, I also want to make sure that people know that this was what you did, I want to say maybe in your off time, because you had a full career as a teacher. Right. Special ed. That's right. 41 years. 41 years. And what attracted you to, to special education? Well, I, I've always been like, I think, a nurturer. Had I not been a, a special ed teacher, I would have been a nurse. Oh, okay. I would have been a nurse, but uh, I, I always uh, uh, catered to, I don't know, people who were underdogs. I guess I saw, you know, I would see somebody mentally challenged and I'd want to help them and stuff. So when I decided to get a degree, I did it with special ed. I just, you know. And you, moved towards that. and you and you did it for 41 years. So what was it that um, other than trying to help people, what were some of the things that really kept you engaged? And yeah, what were the things that kept you engaged? Well, you know, dealing with people with mental uh, disabilities, emotional problems, it was such a challenge to me. Mm. I guess I, I, I catered to a lot of crazy people. So I guess it was easy for me to <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, it was a challenge to me, especially to try to teach them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and it felt so rewarding when you get a kid to learn mm-hmm. the different vowel sounds and, and sounds of words and learn how to read. It was just so exciting to me. So those kids with uh, learning disabilities, they were really a big challenge because people had given up on some of them, and I never could. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. And Pat, when we think about, um, you know, sort of current day activities and we were just talking about how in some cases we can use 
uh, parties for a purpose, mm -hmm. right? As Kristen has talked about, did you ever do any of that kind of outreach or... I, I just don't remember, but I realize I may not have been going to the parties, um, you know, long enough well, you or know during what? the time. You know, we usually had vendors at the party. Right. Uh, okay. And then, you know, I was hooked up. I think a lot of the stuff I did was social stuff with the parties, but then I was also involved in Chicago Black Lesbian Gays, remember? Right. Oh, yes. So I was always involved in so many other organizations and would pull in the party aspects of a way to socialize, but my political stuff was on a in a different, you know, different area. I would be involved in other organizations. So, so you didn't necessarily you didn't necessarily bring that to the party. The thing I brought to the party was uh, the knowledge of mm. what was happening with all the other organizations. It was more like a networking area, mm. too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because even though I didn't actually establish those organizations, I was involved in them. Right. And my and my part was to just network and give out the information. Right. Because so that's how we were able to share a lot of stuff through that. And, you know? Pat, you, I mean... Executive Suite went on for multiple decades. And of course, there's things that are always going to be a constant. We were talking about this, about people wanting to be together, wanting to party, wanting wanting to see each other and be in, in community and space together. What are some things that you can identify that changed maybe in the way that you, through events or people, what they wanted from events over the course of those many decades that you were throwing the parties? The only thing, I think that the biggest thing that changed is that a lot of it has... Well, a lot of it is so distant now. You just, mm. uh, you have the internet mm -hmm. and uh, people, you know, they they come out to the parties and they're in their little groups, their mm. little cliques. Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of people, it's a lot of detachment. It's not as mm. close, uh, you know, like I can... I can still I can still talk to some of the people that came to my parties 30, 40 years yeah, ago. Yeah. I mean, they're going to come out to my birthday party. It's like a reunion. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was I on mean, the 70th. More, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, we had, you know, we had more contact with each other. Right. We were more right. engaged with each other. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know, so... You know, that's the difference. I see a lot of that. Well, yeah, I think something that you've been talking about a lot is just about personal connection and relationship building and right, yeah. being in community with one another. I love what you were sharing about your your security advisors, you know, just having people that are paying attention right. and are caring about the people who are in the space and the idea that we're all participants in the space, which I think right. is something people forget about, that when you come to the space, sometimes people think they're just being served, you know, it's real transactional right. as opposed to realizing when I come into the space, the energy I bring in, the way that I interact, right. that's a part of what makes it great or not great. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, Pat, tell us about the 75th birthday party. Yes. And and you, I know you, you certainly had uh, uh, one at your 70th uh, year as well. And so you believe in marking... Uh, these special occasions, what what uh, might one expect at such an occasion? Well, you know what? I just want everybody to have a good time, and I want people to see faces they haven't seen in years. The, you know, COVID put a setback to a lot of uh, uh, things that uh, with interaction between all of us. And, right. We haven't, people my age, we don't have a lot of places where we go and socialize. You know, we kind of slow down with the bars and and how we meet up. And I just wanted an executive suite slash 75th birthday party. You know what I'm saying, birthday celebration. 
I just want to see all these fine women come out and we have a good time. <laughs> that's, that's it. The right there. That's it. That's that's, that's all that's needed. And speaking of, I, I just want to go back to a moment about some of your community participation. I know that you are also now on the board for uh, the LGBT Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. And what drew you to that involvement? Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, things that you, that you can talk about on the air, Pat, okay? <laughs> uh, give us the tea. Things that I can say on the air, I will put it like this. Okay. Sometimes in order for things to change, you got to be a part of it. Okay, that's right. That is absolutely and right. And that's what I feel like sometimes you got to be in it mm. to know what to do with it. Okay. So I am <laughs> in the learning right. phase yes. of my involvement and I hope that I can make a difference along the way. That's beautiful. You got to be in That's it to know what to say. do with it. All I right. Love that. We will sleep, we will remember that. And let me just say, I think it's wonderful. I, I chaired the board for four years uh, for the Hall yes, of Fame. And <laughs> I'm really excited to see more people, different people get yes. involved. Because yeah. as you said, yes. if you really want to see the change, you have to be part of the change, right? right? You've got to be right. willing to, to get involved. Are you involved in any other kind of of local politics, for instance, do you have any interest in the Democratic National Convention and the fact that it'll be here in August? Is that something that you might um, be involved with, or is that not your, your you know thing? What? Only if I could find out how to get involved in it, uh, well, I probably would okay. like to be in a part, a part, especially if it's dealing in a section with the LGBTQ community. I definitely want to be there okay. somewhere. All right. Well, I, I remember will, that, Mary. Okay. <laughs> I will, and I am going to be uh, continuing to give out information about ways to to get involved because they oh, good. they need lots of support. Um, they uh-huh. need delegates, which you need to get petitions for. But there's many ways to um, actually get involved. And we're going to be talking about that certainly on Living Out Loud for between yeah. now and, and August when the um, actual convention will be here. Because, okay. as we were saying earlier, this is a key election. And we need oh, people definitely. We need people to turn out, really, yes, in ways we that we have not before. It absolutely is the case. Um, Pat, yeah. as you think about... Um, you know, 75 years. What's your reflection on on um, just how things have evolved and the things that you've had a chance to witness, um, you know, not just in the uh, LGBTQIA community, but, you know, across the board in the city of Chicago, for instance? Well, I just think that technology is just, mm. it's, it's just overwhelming. Mm. And you have to really keep up. Yes. You know, you just have to constantly keep well up on things that's happening and just keep aware. Especially as you age, you know, a lot of times we get left behind on a lot of different things. And I'm constantly out there trying to figure out the next whatever. You know, so. Wonderful. Just trying to keep up to date, you know. And keep my peers up to date. You know, when right. we're downloading songs and going online and doing this and doing that, it's 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 a lot for some of us, <laughs> you know. But you are doing so, it, and you're yeah. doing it with uh, compassion oh, yeah. and style that's and right. grace. Yes. And the I know technology changes, but the, that's the right. spirit and the that's talent right. and the instincts right. that you have that is that does not have to change. That's something that we want to carry no. through because legacy builds on legacy. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and we are so grateful for you. Yes. Um, so thankful for you taking some time to speak with us today. And uh, I cannot wait to toast 
Yes. Uh, make a toast to you uh, on your birthday. Um, but we wanted Thank to say you. an early happy birthday. Early happy birthday. Uh, we, we, we are all, well, I'm an Aquarian. I don't know. When is your no, birthday? Cancer. Cancer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a whole different story. Right. Um, but the Aquarians, <laughs> the Aquarians are in right now. Um, and so. Of course. Uh, and so, Pat, we will see you in another week or so. And just want to say happy yes. birthday. And thanks happy for joining birthday. us today on Living Out Loud. Thank, thank you so much. And thank, thank you, you for everything, for your day. Decades and decades of making Chicago part of what makes Chicago so special. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks, Bye, Pat. Love. Bye-bye. And you're listening to Living Out Loud. We're back in a moment. It's Mary Morton with Living Out Loud. And here's a little bit about Morton Group, the sponsor of my show. Morton Group is a national consulting firm working with nonprofits, foundations, for-profits, and government entities. Our work helps organizations expand and deepen their impact by working on equity initiatives and executive placements, among other areas of focus. Reach out to us at info at mortongroup.com with any questions. And don't forget to listen in on Sundays at 1 p.m. on WCPT 820 a.m. And we are back on Living Out Loud. That was an incredible opportunity to speak with Pat McCombs and just all the different... um, different ways her career and her life has moved and you were just yes. saying that depending on when you've talked to Pat you might get some new information yes. and there was some new information there about the sort of origins, origins yes. of executive suite right I mean I think that's the thing about someone like Pat who has so many stories so much experience if you have the pleasure and true honor of being able to talk to her it's such a gift you're going to get some little gems absolutely mm-hmm. um, and, and we were just talking about a book like I hope you're working yes. on a book Pat I'm going to talk to you about that. You should really be writing a book. I mean, there's so much information there and really important history that we want to continue. Right. Um, So here we are at our last segment. Um, And I I I just want to say there's been a resurgence, right, of uh, bars that are really catering to women. Yes. And that's a wonderful thing. And do you think that will really support what you're doing? Yeah, I think, you know, Slomo has been around. I've been producing events in Chicago about 20 years. And so it really almost that. See, mm-hmm. I, it's interesting to see how things come back. Mm-hmm. Right. And something when Pat was talking about, you know, 1500 pe- people coming, the resurgence of like lesbian circuit parties. I mean, even in my it was, of course, my early, earlier years, but I still saw or was very lucky to witness some of those parties and those movements that are happening in the early 2000s. It sort of started to shift. And now I think we're seeing this amazing, I don't want to call it a comeback, but in a way of specifically even that language of lesbian culture. And I think a lot of that has to do with trans inclusiveness and gender expansiveness Mm -hmm. and this greater understanding that I give much credit to younger generation, but also the people who have continued to really carry that torch of, of how 
at their best, lesbian-centered spaces include all kinds of folks, and I think that's what has contributed to the success of seeing more lesbian-owned bars um, and more parties that are happening. I mean, in Chicago, we have three that opened in the last few years. Which is really surprising when we were down to one or right. none yes. for several years. Yes, People right. would say, well, where, where are women going? And right. I said, well... Mm-hmm. You know, to you could parties, go to you could but, you could stop by teas, right? But it's not technically not. <laughs> no, not know? really. And now it's not even no. around anymore. I mean, right. I lived across the street in my early twenties. Yes. I saw all kinds yeah. of things. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm speaking of a book, right? Oh, <laughs> there yes, may, there's it's a book in the there. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but no, I mean, things have really changed yes. and for the better, right? Um, but I used to always say when folks would say, um, "Well, why aren't there more bars?" I said, "Well, there are a variety of reasons why." Yeah. And you know, women are often the heads of households, right? So they're doing. You know, multitasking is, is an understatement right. uh, and not necessarily having time to go out yep. and party, which yep. is why having parties earlier in the day yes. makes sense. They just make sense. And I think also offering experiences. And again, it's about that point of connection. You know, Dorothy, Dorothy's on Chicago Avenue, they were doing some amazing things with programming. They have a book club where yeah. you're just there to go Silent read. reading? Yes. yes. And they've got um, their uh, stand-up comedy and, you know, just really offering experiences which I have found, too, people really want to tap into because, again, it's about sharing experiences and community, being together. Of course, nobody's darling. Nobody's they're, they're darling. all kinds of programming up there. And they've expanded because they've, they've been expanded so space. That's right. And then I haven't been yet to um, Whiskey Girl, but also, oh, you know, I have been. And it's, you said that it was It's fantastic. a great space. Yeah. Uh, really worked so well uh, with um, Christina, uh, yes. the owner. Um, had a party there for a couple of friends. And um, just lovely. Really yes. a great space. The Staff were wonderful. Highly recommend people to check that out as well. And now there's this major resurgence of parties. You know, I will say even in the last 10 plus years, even using the language of lesbian, I think that there has been a shunning of it, whether it's because it feels faux pas or people just, I would date all the time. I don't like the word. But I do think a lot of that <laughs> had to do with folks who wanted to be trans and gender expansive inclu- and, you know, inclusive of people right. of a variety of identities and how important that was. And that there has been a history of lesbian spaces that have been exclusionary. But now we're really seeing a movement shift. And, you know, for example, we're about to do our second iteration of Super Sapphic, which is an all building takeover of Metro Smart Bar and we did when? it back in June. It's coming up on February 16th, so wow. right around Valentine's okay. Day. And we have 1600 um, people, you know, tons of lesbian, queer, identified folks that were in that space and, you know, that historically with those all building takeovers have been um in some cases been very gay male centric, but we saw all kinds of folks at this. It was a collaboration between uh, people who participated in, in my party, Slomo, as well as Strapped, which is a very trans inclusive lesbian um, party that's been happening at Berlin. It's now moving to Empty Bottle and some other parties at Eden that are participating. And where can we find out about all these things? So the tickets are on Metro's website. Mm-hmm. And then if you follow Strapped um, on Instagram or Slomo, or I don't know if Eden has an Instagram, but you know, any of those accounts have information, okay. but the ticketing information on Metro and should be a fab super sounds time. Sounds like a fun weekend. Yeah. Well, it has been fun. So much fun having yes. you here, Kristen. Went and so fast. <laughs> it went by in a blink, as it always does. I want to thank Devin for his help you, today. Devin. And uh, we hope that you'll continue to listen. We'll be back next week uh, on Living Out Loud. We'll see you then. All right. Thanks, Mary.
The preceding program, Living Out Loud, was sponsored by Morton Group, LLC, and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of News Web Radio Company or its management. 